When two people meet in a romantic way, when they start reading and sending the signs of an interest, what is actually happening in the background is usually more than meets the eye. When they reach the point they both decide to carry on, the first few weeks of the relationship often determine the dynamic of that newly formed unit for quite a while. This is when the roles are defined, when they look for a balance that will mutually satisfy them. Time passes, the foundation of the relationship are built on those very first bases, on this first unwritten contract, basically saying that this is what I am, this is what you are, and this is how we make it work. More time passes and those two people evolve individually. Experiences, life lessons, new encounters and interactions make them slowly different. And this is when relationships are tested, because little by little, the terms of the original contract start to change. Redefining the roles and adjusting the rules for a better partnership can be a very fulfilling and satisfying process, but also proves to be, in some cases, extremely tricky. It is the reason of many breakups, you know, when people grow apart. Whether they remain together or not is then in question, and this is never a black or white kind of answer. I have seen people in relationships that seemed very toxic or very bizarre from the outside. Situations that made you question what made them think it was a good idea to get together in the first place. Well, in some cases, I would assume that what worked for them at the beginning doesn't anymore. The contract has slowly become obsolete and the two parts were unable to agree on the new terms. The reasons why they stay together then is obviously not ours to judge. I guess the right questions to ask if there is an incapacity for the relationship to evolve with its protagonist would be how long can it realistically last before I lose myself? The story we are going to hear today is told by Mark. Yes, this is the first male interviewee of this podcast at long last. Mark was in his early 20s and felt this overwhelming need to be with Karen, his first real girlfriend. quite immature for my for my age um i just sort of come back from uh, a year of college and uh, come to, come into work and uh, was was at work in an environment where i wasn't going to meet people of the opposite sex was still living at home um and and really yeah was finding it difficult to meet other people um so yeah, i suppose i i was slightly um unsatisfied with with life um but was keen to try and um yeah find new friends and um and and new experiences i was quite a quite a when i said immature early i suppose it meant immature emotionally i was living a life of a sort of probably a 40 year old back then in that i was i wasn't going out i wasn't partying i, I was very much just living at home going to work i played rugby but I wasn't socializing after rugby. It didn't. It wasn't something that appealed to me. I didn't particularly like going out and and uh, with with the lads and getting drunk. Um, I, my, I wasn't particularly confident uh, in myself, and therefore found social environments quite quite difficult. I'd gone to an all boys school. Um, I'd had a year of college, but nothing really had come of that. I had one other girlfriend before that, sort of at school, but it would only lasted sort of three or four months. It was nothing particularly serious hadn't much experience hadn't really had the opportunity to grant any great stuff but I also wasn't putting myself out there as well I found the socializing thing difficult 
you know, alcohol really wasn't a, a part of my life in any way. And, and they sort of go when you're when you're playing rugby, my, my, my rugby was my life really in many ways and work. So it was training twice a week and playing rugby on a Saturday and then work around that. I don't think I was I was particularly unhappy. I, I felt that I was missing out in some in some way. And as a result, you know, it was that kind of stage. I thought, right, I need to do something about this. And that's when I, you know, decided to join a, an amateur dramatic group. Um, I'd done sort of stuff like that at school and had always um, always managed to be successful because we would then bring a girls school in to do it. I was always quite successful at the after school parties. And, you know, my, my mindset was, well, that worked, you know, at school. So maybe we can try and do that. My main aim of joining it was to try and meet meet some girls, really. The first show I did, yeah, met a girl that I, I liked. Nothing really came of it, you know, um, nothing major anyway. Um, so did the second show. That's when I met Karen. Towards the end of the sort of the, the, the rehearsals and things before we did the show, you know, I started speaking to her. I think we were in one of the groups together and started, you know, chatting to each other and found it quite easy. And then we'd come in the, fo- the following week and we'd sort of take off again. So, yeah, conversations started towards the end, but um, there was definitely a sort of, an ease in terms of being able to talk to each other. So I, I do remember, you know, coming away one night going, she was nice. That was a nice, you know, nice chat we had. She obviously is interested. I'm interested in her. We both went to the after show party. I honestly can't remember who made the first move, but we, we went sort of in together and sort of sat together and sort of drank and socialized. And it just sort of was one of those evenings that you knew it was inevitably going to happen. But uh, <sighs> I, I would be guessing if I if I could honestly remember whether I made the move or not, I, I would, I probably I probably would have done knowing me, um, but yeah, I can't remember for sure. I think I'm one of these people who was, was never very good at going out on a night out, going to the bar and, and pulling somebody. Just wasn't my, 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 my deal. I couldn't go and chat up a girl and just sort of give, give all the, uh, the lines. It was never me. I had to get to know somebody if I was going to have any um, success. And that, that was certainly the case from that. You know, that's always been me. It was always we're trying to build up a connection. I was certainly attracted to her physically, as well as the fact that she was um, she was smart, bright, um, similar kind of background to myself. We had a, a few things in common: music, obviously. Yeah, she showed an interest in me, and at, at that point, after what I'd been through, you know, perhaps in hindsight, you think back, well, <laughs> maybe I wasn't overly picky. However, there's still it, it worked, you know, very quickly, and and I soon realised, you know, I was having feelings that I hadn't had before. We started going out quite quickly after the show ended, uh, and uh, yeah, it was straight into a quite a quite a serious relationship. How are you feeling? Excited. I think probably that sort of feeling of just you know looking at the clock, w- waiting for the sort of the time where you say you're going to meet them and you you, you see them, uh, and then sort of you say goodbye and you think oh, it'll be another ten hours. You know that kind of excitement at the start gives you an emotion, a feeling that you you can't describe really. It's it's sort of just buoyant. And, and really exciting wanting to be with you know Karen at, at all times was quite quite a quick thing um it, it, it didn't sort of take weeks or months for to build up to that feeling 
but no, it, it, it was it was sudden that, that sort of desire to be with the person, you know, every hour that I could and every hour away was sort of, oh, I can't wait to get back, you know, to be with them again. And I don't think I'd ever felt like that really before. It was completely different. It hit me very quickly. I remember that you probably find this quite surprising, but within the first three days, she'd come to meet my parents. And um, that was her instigating it. Yeah, the, the, the week after we'd sort of, you know, after the after show party, a week later, she was in my parents' house. So quite quickly, it was uh, indicated to me that this was serious. So from that perspective, it was very different from something that I had before. Without doubt, as much as I was excited and, and loving that feeling of desire, there was also a sort of inbuilt fear that, oh, this could all go wrong and um, she, could, she could dump me. And, uh, you know, that, that, that was also in the back of my mind, sort of wanting to make sure I do the right things, that I, that I keep her happy so that this feeling can keep on going, you know, as long as possible. You know, it was probably more coming from my side than it, than it was her. She wasn't saying no at all. But um, I was the, the, the one who was driving the, the meetings and the lunches and, the, you know, trying to see each other as much as possible. There's no doubt about that. Um, it was more the, the, the drive behind the whole thing, I think, really was coming from me. By September of, of that year, we, 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 we move in together um, and, and get a flat, rent a flat together. But I was... Uh, I suppose another example of wanting to sort of make get some security to the relationship and one way of doing that was by moving in to get together and so again I think I instigated that if she agrees to share a flat with me then you know <laughs> it's 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 less likely that she's going to pick up the phone and say we're finished so it's it makes that kind of decision a bit more difficult there's obviously a sort of negative thoughts constantly in the back of my mind, perhaps right from the beginning, in terms of is this going to last? Um, and uh, putting in place sort of barriers to make sure that it did last. After we move in, it, it's probably at that point, you know, even this early on, you know, the physical side of the relationship starts to slow down. Um, and uh, I not, not, not massively noticeable, but in hindsight... I can pinpoint when sort of the chain changes started taking place. Now that's probably quite often the case in relationships. First six months are a are a sort of whirlwind, and then things settle down after that. Um, but for my, from somebody who hadn't had that experience, this was a bit sort of new to me. But you know, I was still happy, still very much in love with with Karen, and and wanted to do anything I could to make her happy, but didn't think too much about it. <laughs> I look back and, and, I, and I do think it was very odd for a couple, one of whom was 24 and one of them was 19, that we were not socializing in any way, shape or form. We had no other friends out with our relationship. Maybe that indicates your question. We were strong, we were happy in, in each other's company. We didn't need anything else. I was still playing a lot of rugby, but when the game finished on a Saturday afternoon, I was back in the car and getting back to see Karen. And as I said, most of the time we were then driving up to see her, her mum and dad um, and spent the rest of the weekend there. But again, no socializing, just, you know, just watching TV on a Saturday night. And in hindsight, I look back and go, that was quite an odd thing for two people who were relatively young.
I was fairly happy with that because I was content and I was with Karen. I was enjoying our company and, and yeah, it was all great. I think I'm only thinking now of the kind of what I like doing now. But yeah, it, back then it was, I was completely contented with, with my lot, really. Very much in love and uh, happy with, with our relationship. She was on a pedestal. She was the person I, work was secondary to me. Rugby was sec. Everything was, life was just about Karen. It was stressful. You know, no doubt about it. I was always slightly on edge because I always wanted to make her happy. You know, not particularly um, at ease, I suppose, a lot of the time f- for that reason. It's difficult to, to explain why I allowed that to take place. But I sort of worshipped the ground that she walked on. But at the same t- token, would do anything for her. Um, and life was very much, we, we did what she wanted to do. She didn't show much interest in what I was doing. You know, um, particularly, as I said earlier, you know, rugby was a big thing for me. And, you know, she never once came to watch me or anything like that. But it didn't really bother me too much. But um, it might have been nice had she shown a little bit of interest (laughs) at the time, though. Didn't it wasn't an, you know, it wasn't an issue for me, really. I think I was I was very naive. I think that's a very good word that I haven't used so far. Um, just pre- sort of pretending that everything was okay and that everything would work out and it would revert back to the way it had been. I do remember one incident, and I can't remember why. There was only one incident when I... <laughs> it's quite amusing. She'd annoyed me so much, and I think it was a month or so before... They should annoyed me so much about something or made me so angry. And I think it had built up over quite a while. Uh, I remember throwing a cucumber across the kitchen and it just destroying against the wall. And uh, <laughs> not a plate, but a cucumber. Rarely said do I, I snap, but that, I, I think I would have thrown whatever was in my hand, actually. It was, it's an example of the, the inner thoughts that were going on with me of the, uh, w- without really knowing it. But obviously I wasn't happy inside, and, and, but I wasn't able to express it because I still wanted Karen to, to, to be there and, and, and for it to all go back the way it had been. you know. But it, without doubt, that was an example of my frustration and perhaps um, unhappiness sort of being expressed in a, just a moment when I, I lost it. This was relatively near the near the end. Thinking, you know, before that, I think only indications to me that this wasn't working out was that you know the sort of um, physical side of the relationship had really ended in the in the last a whole year before we actually split up. And you know, had I <laughs> had I had the knowledge now uh, then that I have now, I wouldn't have ever allowed it to have lasted as long as it did. Um, I I was still worshipping Karen, but wasn't getting out of the relationship what I wanted. Um, what did you get from the relationship at this point? Well, probably very little, except from a companion. But there was no physical side of it, which is what I was, uh, what what I I wanted, and an emotional sort of contact from her. But she would become, yeah, v- very distant and quite focused on her her work. Well, not work, but she decided changed careers and. It, uh, started up a new university course and life had suddenly you know con- moved into that and I was I suppose in hindsight more a flatmate than I was anything else I, I think I just I just allowed it to co- life to continue um, without really th- thinking about it too much 
I just uh, allowed the, the, it to sort of wash wash over me in that I wasn't as happy as I had been. Um, but I just presumed that this was the natural course of events with a relationship. Um, I didn't know anything better. And so as a result, things just continued on, really. Um, and they, they would have continued on. You know, I would have, uh, you know, I, I remember particularly thinking, oh, I'm, you know, when she hits 25, I'll, I'll propose to her. Um, but, uh, you know, that, uh, <laughs> look back now, it was a crazy thought, but I, I was very much all ready to settle down. I was, you know, wanting kids and all the rest of it right at that early age. Now, this is now I'm sort of nearly, you know, 23 um, and Karen would have been 27. It was then towards the towards the end. It sort of all uh, all came to came to a point when you know Karen, very out, out of character, went out for a night with her 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 university colleagues and 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 never came back. It was a Thursday night. I was at a rugby training. Karen had gone out for a night out with her uni pals. And uh, I got home, you know, <laughs> went to bed, fell asleep. At two o'clock, I woke up and she wasn't back and sort of concerned. At three o'clock, I was getting quite worried um, and tried to phone some of her friends and there was no answer. And four o'clock came and I phoned her mum and said, listen, I haven't, Karen should have been back at 11 o'clock because it's most unlike her. I'm, I'm concerned nightclubs would have been closed by this point. And eventually she walked in at half past five in the morning. She said she'd been to a flat party. And I'm quite visibly upset, and she doesn't get it, doesn't understand why I am upset, which just makes things even worse. I'm pretty sure that, you know, Karen was either seeing somebody or somebody else or met somebody that night, but it's more likely it was it was probably a bit before then. I I don't know to this day. Um I don't yeah. I'm I'm putting two and two together, um, that yeah, she went back with with somebody else. Having spoken to two or three of her friends, they'd said, No, she left the club with a guy at three o'clock or two o'clock in the morning. So she should be back with you now. And so my worry was just sort of accentuated with the phone calls that I'd been making. But I was in a blind panic and and hadn't even crossed my mind that she might be cheating on me. Uh, hadn't crossed my mind at all. And I, I don't know for a fact that she was. Um, however, um, I have, have my... Um, what else would she have been up to? The next day I got up and went to work, but I was a... Uh, I was I was a bit of a wreck. I knew things were 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 not right, but that really was the point. It took me to really realise that it wasn't right, but it didn't lead me to the point of thinking, right, I'm going to split up with her. I still thought, right, we can, it'll, it'll get better. <laughs> yeah, we just continued from then on for the next couple of weeks. I was paying for the mobile phones at the time and we had call registers. And so I was able to look back and see that the following day she was on her mum, on the phone to her mum three times for over 45 minutes each time. So something had clearly, you know, taken place and the, the big discussions were, were happening at that, at that point. I only knew that about, you know, three or four weeks later. And so the, the fear of, of breaking up 
And then what ha- what comes next was probably by that point an overriding thing and perhaps had been for quite a long time without me really knowing it. Karen was my life. Life revolved around her. I had no other friends out with her. We hadn't made a whole new circle of, of friends at all. Our life was just the two of us. The reason why I wasn't uh, facing up to reality was because I didn't want to think of what might happen if we were to split up. So three weeks later, exactly three weeks later, I come back from rugby again and uh, Karen's waiting for me to come in. She says she wants to have a word. I remember sitting down. She just said, listen, this is it. I, w- I want to split up. Uh, I'm not happy. You love me more than I love you. You deserve to find somebody you know, that you can love as much as you love me. And uh, that's, those are the, that's really the only sort of sentence that I can really remember from it. But to me, it was a complete, yeah, punch in the solar plexus as such. I, as I said earlier, I didn't see it coming. Um, and I was then sort of the double hit that I'm, go- I'm going to stay with a friend tonight. Um, so within 15, 20 minutes, she'd left. And uh, and I was just just in bits, didn't know what to do. Phone mum, uh, spoke to her, and and that was that was pretty much it. And then came back the following day from work, and uh, I remember quite brutal, you know, all of Karen's stuff. A lot of Karen's stuff had already been removed when I'd been at work that day, so pictures had been taken off the walls, uh, curtains had been taken down. Uh, just things which you know create a soul in a place had quite quickly been been you know clothes had been put into uh, a lot of clothes had been taken but a lot of our other clothes had just been left hanging in the wardrobe um, and uh, you know that was it she wasn't there and uh, and yeah I didn't uh, I think I've only ever seen her twice since then in 20 years yeah I came back from work on that Friday and it was a real blow to me the way that the flat looked and, and what it, what she'd done. It'd obviously been much more organised than I'd given her credit for and she'd be perhaps been planning it for a couple of weeks because um, she had people come in and help her move stuff, take away chest of drawers and just, you know, her stuff. Coming back to, to my flat, the flat that I'd bought and owned, Although it was we were living together, it was still mine in a way. And here, the heart and soul had been ripped out of it. Within, while I was, it, in a way, I, I felt sort of secretly while she was, while, while I was at work. But it, that was the hardest thing to take, definitely. Um, and made me, you know, it was very upsetting when I came back and lots of items had left. And so I phoned, and told my mum, and she said. You, you've got to come around here tonight. So, yeah, I did. I, I went home that night. Suddenly, it was sort of thinking, what do I do now? How do I... You know, what is there for me? And And also thinking that I was you know, quite old now to be not in a relationship. You know, these ridiculous thoughts you look back and people say you're still so young, but you don't think that at the time. And as much as people tell you that, you you don't believe them. But, you know, I look back now and go, it's so true what they were telling me. And I wish I'd listened and, and realized that there was still so much of life to, to live, so many experience to have. But at that time, no, it was the end of the world. 
I was in a very bad place at that time, wasn't sleeping, wasn't eating, the normal, you know, just life had been completely taken from underneath me. I, I, I put it down in many ways to the way you, you feel when you when somebody passes away that's close to you. I don't think there's any any doubt that it's when you go through something like that, it's a bereavement, really. Um, and I was very much, once it was over, that was it. I was cutthroat. I didn't want to see her again. You know, once the decision had been made, then that was it. Even if it wasn't yours. Exactly. I was very bitter, very bitter. And uh, probably still, still am to some degree, even all these years later. When it's not you making the decision, there's always a bit of that you just is still annoyed. Um, but the way things had panned out, I think I felt like I was a fool. Um, I don't think she perhaps had done it and, you know, fooled me intentionally. I don't think she was of that character. She wasn't a nasty individual, Karen, at all. I think I was more angry with my about my naivety for, for quite a long time to pretend that things were fine when clearly they weren't. What Karen said at the when she left that night still sticks now. And that was the thing that I was looking for was to find somebody who loved me as much as, as I loved them. That's what I deserved. So yeah, that that was an overriding thought that definitely changed changed me as a person and the way I looked at relationships moving forward. Obviously, that kind of thing can take time until you realize if that person is 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 who you're who you're looking for. But that was the biggest lesson that I learned. The, the, one of the overriding feelings I have about the breakup and the relationship it made me a very strong person, much stronger person than I was um, in being able to deal with tough things that have subsequently come you know come to pass it gave me a much thicker skin um which perhaps wasn't it's not a great thing to have happened um you know but it certainly toughened me up as an individual um especially regarding relationships you know i was i was determined that i would never be hurt in that way again and perhaps have you know as a result put up protective barriers to allow myself never to completely um, you know, uh, worship the ground that somebody walked on again. It, it definitely made me, I think, able to deal because I don't think I'll, I might, I'm not sure I'll ever be hurt in the same way again. Um, because of the whole sort of, with it, with being so young, so naive. It was all new. The, every experience was a new experience. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't think I've felt you know that that pain again, and I hope I hope I won't again. It it doesn't just go away. No, no, it's always there. There's there's always something that you know will trigger a thought or a memory. But you, you drive past an old flat or something like that. Just because I never haven't I've only ever seen Karen twice doesn't mean that she doesn't come into my mind from from time to time and the relationships that you had afterwards did you feel that you protected yourself a lot more absolutely um i i think i just um perhaps just haven't ever given as much of myself there's always held a little bit back perhaps not consciously as i said i was completely infatuated by somebody um you know my life utterly revolved around this one individual I would never be in the position again in my life where I was focused on one person. From that moment on, or six months later, that was never going to happen again.
what's left in you now of that 19 year old that you can still be in touch with? Ooh, that's a tricky question. <laughs> I think still my my eagerness to make the other person happy. I'd like to think that I'm still as caring a person as I as I was way back then. I think most people would, certainly my family would say I'm a I'm a very different character. In fact, what they would say was I was a very different character at the end of the relationship. It had really brought me out of my shell as a as a as an individual. I'd matured a lot in those three years, got much more confidence in myself, which enabled me to then. I think my mum says that's the greatest thing that that Karen gave me was confidence in myself. And I think that put me in good stead um, for what subsequently came, you know, came to pass. There is a lot to relate to in this story for most of us, I am sure. Being on that side of a relationship where all seems to be so imbalanced is a very difficult feeling to deal with. Today, Mark's happily married with two children. There is something I wanted to address as we are approaching the end of the first season of this podcast. I would like you to know that this program is open and has always been open to every single person, regardless of their sexual preferences. I want to be perfectly clear and honest. I am disappointed I haven't been able to find non-heterosexual people to interview so far. It unfortunately sends a message of heteronormativity, and this is not my intention at all. As a person, I stand for equality, inclusion, representation for everybody. So it does matter to me to be very clear about this. And I can only hope that in the future, we will have more interviews that represent the wonderful diversity of human beings. There is a bit of a bonus for this fifth episode, so I'm afraid we're not quite done yet. It is not exactly relevant to the issues that the Breaking Point podcast addresses, but very relevant to Mark's story. I want you to listen to a bit of his interview that I had to edit. I thought it was a very inspirational moment and worth sharing. And in the right ears, that might have an impact. Did you have anyone to talk to? Like on a more like emotional kind of way? Only, only my mom. Yeah. Uh, and, and my big sister as well. Um, those were the two people. Mom was great. Um, you know, she told me what uh, I wanted to hear. And... Uh, you know, it just, yeah, she was the support through the whole thing for me, without doubt. Was it a surprise? No, oh, oh see, yeah, no, no. In, 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 in life, she's always been the first person whenever there's been, something has happened, she's been the first person I phoned. As I said earlier on, the first person I phoned after Karen walked out that night. The first person I phoned when, you know, uh, my, my wife was taken into, um, you know, emergency for a C-section and I was left in the waiting room. Who else do I phone in a moment? Oh, I got on the phone to my mum. Hey, mum, help, you know. Uh, yeah, first port of call always has been mum. So, yeah, says a lot about her. I, I certainly was of the opinion that it was, wasn't my fault. <laughs> and mum, obviously, I'm her son, so that's what she thought as well. 
uh, she's always been a very emotional person, mum, and very wears her heart on her sleeve. So it's always been very easy to go to her about emotional issues. Um, so when I have needed that, yeah, she's always been quite an easy person to go to. So I wasn't surprised. No. Thanks for listening to the Breaking Point Podcast. Drop us a message on our website, thebreakingpointpodcast.com, or on our Facebook page and Twitter account.